she likes you, she thinks you're swell. Got the makings of a dance hall. Hey everybody, welcome back. You know the drill. This is part two of my conversation of Cat from FOM and Double Dare Your Podcast. If you haven't listened to part one already, go back and check that out and then uh, start here when you finish that one up. Thanks for listening. I love hearing that because our our one guitar player is about six years younger than I am. Okay. And I, I think he's about six years younger than I am. I don't remember. But, you know, Nirvana was a pivotal band for him. Mm-hmm. Like that was, mm-hmm. you know, like, and his love for that band is boundless. And he always, he's like, I don't know why you don't like them. Like, it's not that I don't like them. I think yeah. they're perfectly fine. I said, but I'm too old for them. Yeah. Like I was already invested into um underground music as yeah. it were prior to yeah. that so i didn't i that wasn't an epiphany for me that was right something right. else um one band that carried that carried on through the 90s that i absolutely do love really is soundgarden yeah and you know people yeah. call them grunge I'm like you mean heavy metal i mean bad yeah. motor fingers a metal record I mean, the 90s, there was a lot of good music during the 90s. Um, I wasn't as much a fan of the hardcore scene at large yeah, in the 90s. Yeah. But um, music overall was 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 pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, Bush is... <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, and I'm not making fun of them in a, in a derived, you know, not being yeah. negative about it, but I just, I'm just like, okay, Bush. All right, I got it. Yeah. yeah you know, it's, <laughs> you know and it's always a shocker to people they're always like that threw me for a loop and i'm like yes but really (laughs) i don't know if it was a shocker i mean they sold a lot of records somebody had to buy them yeah so that was me i was one of those (laughs) you know um and you know it just it it just never hit me that way um yeah oh do you hear that yeah yeah it's my youngest playing with mom (laughs) and they know i'm recording okay fun background noise no that's okay it's okay it stays in i did one episode where she literally crawled out of her pack and play i thought she was asleep and came knocking on my door oh my gosh yeah um here's a band i'm a little more uh not a little more a little less familiar with even though i know their name um hope conspiracy Ah, in fact i think i may have seen them in cleveland when they played with american nightmare um, Probably a couple, a couple of my friends went wanted to go to the show and I wasn't. Uh, yeah, it was definitely hope conspiracy. It wasn't Bane. It was hope conspiracy. And I remember thinking to myself, well, this is pretty good, but it just didn't it didn't hook me. Um, why this particular record? This is their wait. Did they do any? This is their first LP, right? That's the first LP. Yeah. Had they Blue. done seven inches before? They had a seven inch before. Yes which I shouldn't know the name of it. And I don't, and I'm sorry for that. It has a naked Ray gun cover on it. I know that. What song did um, they do? I don't I'll, remember. I, no, I'll oh look it God, up. Go I'm ahead. so terrible. No, 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 you're fine. Go. Um, okay. 
I'm really bad with song titles, by the way. That's like, I can tell you what track things are, but song titles for some reason always slip my mind. Um, so Code Blue, I love this record. Um, Hope Con, one, another super influential hardcore band for me from Boston, right? Part of that whole like early 2000s, Boston hardcore bridge nine era. Um, I, I really loved that they were like kind of metallic hardcore. Like they're definitely not straightforward hardcore, not really super melodic hardcore. Um, a lot of great personal lyrics, lyrics about different kinds of issues, religion, love, all of that. Um, am I mistaken in that they were a bit faster than some of their peers? They started, they started a bit faster. And then by their third album, they like slowed way down and it became quite a bit different. More Um, stompy. Well, just like, I don't know, more like, I don't know how to describe it. I'm so bad at describing music. Not even stompy, a little more just like heavy doomish kind of. Like, I don't know, maybe even a little more melodic, not quite stompy, definitely more for people who just like kind of want to bang their heads rather than mosh. Right. Um, I think that was partly an age thing for them, too. Um, But that record just I love Code Blue. I would listen to it over and over again. Um, They were I mean, I. I don't even, I drove, like I lived out. So I live in Tacoma, Washington and I lived out here from the age of 18 to 21. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would drive to California all the time to go see them play. They would, I mean, they would play up here, but then I would follow them down to California and like moving, like I moved to Boston to go to college. I transferred to Northeastern in Boston. A huge part of that was like the bands that were in the Boston hardcore scene at the time were like, my favorite bands and I knew I would see great shows all the time. And I saw hope conspiracy. I don't know how many times. So just like, and, and something else that helps like as a woman in the scene, like they were the nicest people to me too. Like they didn't ever make me feel unwelcome. They didn't ever like hit on me. Like uh, those were my, usually a lot of the experiences were, people either didn't make me feel welcome, like they were too cool for me, or because I was like this girl who would mosh and sing along, I would get hit on. And I fucking hated that so much. Like I've been proposed to by people because they're like, oh, you know, all these hardcore bands, will you marry me? And I'm like, no, (laughs) like, what the fuck? It shouldn't matter. Yeah, I know just because I'm a woman and I know about hardcore, like it's so... Um, they were a band that made me feel very welcome in yeah. the scene, for sure. I I 
I wasn't as familiar with a lot of what was going on in Boston at yeah. that time. I mean, I a couple of times I played Boston, we played with a band called Close Call, who oh, I okay. think was in Boston. Yeah. And we played in this, it was in Roxbury. It was called okay. the Berwick Institute. Okay. And you went to the basement and it was, there was like a layer of dust on the floor. Oh, God. <laughs> and apparently they had been doing shows there for a while because there were okay. like a ton of people there masked up not too dissimilar from what's going on now because the wow. dust was so, oh. and it was, uh, it was quite an experience. And I remember when we pulled into Boston, uh, I said, none of these streets make any fucking sense uh -huh. because, they, you know, and, and I later discovered yeah. that they, they were based on trails, you know? Yeah. And so instead of you come to like, not maybe around about like six or seven corner intersection, yeah. instead of going straight or even a soft left, to stay on the same street you'd make like a yeah. hard left and i'm like yeah fuck this place <laughs> you know, yeah I was, I was so frustrated but the most difficult city to drive in for sure yeah, yeah i mean and i've driven in some you know i lived in houston for a while and that was no picnic you know but <laughs> i was like yeah i don't um <laughs> yeah but i wasn't i wasn't super familiar with like okay. the whole bridge nine phenomenon i you know i sort of was knee deep into what people are now calling the thrash core sort of thing okay. you know because that harkened back to stuff i was listening to it was coming out of the the hangover the over of the 90s where everybody was starting to play metal and calling it okay. hardcore i'm like I okay. need something more yeah akin to the early stuff and so that a lot of those bands just missed me but i did catch hope conspiracy and i remember thinking oh, i like this this is pretty good and it was yeah. at it was at the cleveland agora which is a pretty big venue uh -huh. and yeah. american nightmare headlined in that place that room was packed I mean, the Agora is really kind of um, for bands like Motorhead and Obituary. Hey, that's that's my partner Joey. He's going Hi, to Joey. ride. He's going to ride our bike. <laughs> <laughs> we bought one of those, you know, exercise bikes and uh -huh. to to try and be in better shape. But yeah, that that era of Boston just missed me. So it's kind of cool okay. to talk to somebody who's who was kind of there. You did sort of say earlier that. Um, like blood for blood was kind of um, <laughs> off-putting. I don't know if you used that yeah. word, but that was kind of, was it just, was, the, it, was it, it the vibe or was it just it, the. Oh, it was. Yeah. I'm just, um, this is not shit talking. There's just, there were like a few different. And I think we're like, we kind of saw this past weekend. There were, there were like different pockets of hardcore in Boston and like, even there was like this little divide where there was Boston and then there was the South shore and then the North shore, like there mm -hmm. was Brockton, which had a lot of shows. And then there was Haverhill, which had a lot of shows and they were separated by Boston. And like Brockton was like a lot of like more beat down type bands. Yeah. Just not like, that's not my, that's not my scene. I don't like, I don't like violence. I don't like it i don't mind aggression i just don't like violence where people are just like crowd punching and stuff like not my thing whatever um and then haverhill ended up being a lot more just kind of straight up hardcore bands and that changed after i had left boston but like at the time like i went to every show in haverhill my band would play haverhill every band that i loved would play haverhill or boston i like went to one show ever in Brockton and it was like a youth crew show 
that I don't know why it was in Brockton. There was like nobody there. Um, <laughs> and I went because this band from Belgium Justice played. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, there's nobody here. Maybe this show should have been in Haverhill or Boston. I don't know. But Blood for Blood kind of fit into that category to me. Yeah. Like it just, it just wasn't my... Like I, I saw Blood for Bud play once and it was actually in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I remember them saying something like, don't get into fights or don't fight or you're going to be banned from your city like we are. Something along those lines, because like their shows were super violent. And, um, and so they were just not really my thing. Like I just... Maybe it's just partly like my lifestyle was different than theirs. Like I didn't know what it was like to be them. Like listening to the recording, it was just not something I could relate to. Were they derogatory sometimes towards women? Yes, they were, you know, and I knew that wasn't okay at that time. And it's funny because like when, when Ramallah became a band, like I kind of liked it at first. But then Sabra Mala playing was like, nah, this isn't my thing. So there's just like, I wasn't super into any kind of like, I don't, I don't want to call it like thuggish, it's, but you, like you, beat you down, can, kind of thuggish. I, I just say like, tough, I just say tough guy hardcore. Tough guy, tough guy hardcore. Like and, I liked terror at the time and I liked no warning, but they were like kind of like New York hardcore, but like like the style that I liked without feeling like it was just completely my prob- ignorant. My only problem with blood for blood really is just the fact that, I mean, cause I never really invested a lot of time into them. It's like when I heard spit my last breath was the first thing I heard from them. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I've got my sheer terror records. I don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not yeah. saying that to be a shithead yeah. because they I've read interviews. They openly admit that that's what yeah. they were going for. And right. At least with sheer terror, you're getting a little bit of a, a more interesting lyrical right content. Like there's a yeah. lot of you know that's some sad bastard music. Right, that is for sad sure. Bastard music, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't probably I've not danced. Dance. I I hate saying that because it just <laughs> sounds so fucking stupid. I haven't danced at a show since I was twenty two. Okay. It got to the point where I'm a smaller dude compared to some people, you know, so I can, I'm not worried about getting hurt, but it just got to the point where I was like, yeah, you know, even in the, the gentlest of mosh pits, I'm like, I'm missing the band. Yeah. I'm not getting to see. That's such a good point. And I'm like, I'm missing it, you know? Um, And it's not that I don't feel motivated or inspired enough to really get worked up i mean when mm. i finally got to see infest when yeah. i finally got to see, uh, i i was like standing there and my wife who knows nothing about any of this stuff yeah she kindly went to that show with us and she looked at me and she goes what is wrong with you and i said <laughs> you don't understand and she goes yeah you're right i don't yeah you know and, and she meant it teasingly she was yeah. making fun of me a bit because i was like a little kid you know i'm like oh yeah i almost re- i almost went and did but i'm like nah i just have to see this I yeah i have to see this and that's more important to me that that became yeah. more central to my show going mm-hmm. and you know and that and that aside i mean 
violence at some shows is too central to the whole thing. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I mean, yeah. do you go to Steven Seagal movies and karate kick people during the fight scenes? <laughs> no. Then what are you doing at a fucking show for? Right. Right. And, you know, I've been in bands that play wildly aggressive music and I'm like, yeah, you guys can dance. But if I'd never really openly said this, I'm not being Mackay. I wasn't in Fugazi, but I'm like, yeah. if you start acting like an asshole, yeah. I'm going to say something about it. Right. You know? No, you don't have to sit on your fucking hands like people did in the 90s. That was late right. too. Yeah. But don't be a dick. Don't yeah. be a dick. You know, it's yeah. as simple as that. It's exclusion. Uh, it's exclusionary to a point where yes. you know, a lot of, and I recognize this and I'm not the most, I hate this word. I'm not the most woke dude in the world, but <laughs> just generally speaking, just knowing people and, you know, navigating my way through the world, you meet people and you, and it shows, it was just like, none of the women were really participating and yeah. for, for different reasons. I mean, it's not always the same reason. Some of them just right. wouldn't have danced anyway, Yeah, but there were some that just weren't going to dance. And yeah. it was really frustrating to me that it always felt like, are you guys even having a good time? Yeah. It seemed like you are. And that was yeah, you know, not at the forefront of my mind, but it was all because, you know, I'm a dude and I don't always think about that sort of thing. Yeah, but It was there where I was like, yeah, this isn't fun for, for them. So yeah. After the third time I got knocked out. Oh, I was like the third time, <laughs> third time. Um, two out of three of those times I was just standing on the edge of the crowd and yeah. got kicked in the head. And one time I was up on top of people singing along and somebody just dove right onto me and kicked me in the head. That's the point where I was like, I'm not moshing anymore. I'm just going to like, I'm going to be that person that stands on the side of the stage because I want to be able to see because number one, I can't because I'm little. Right. And I want to be able to experience it. And so here's a, here's a funny story um, (laughs) to talk about kind of that, what we were just talking about. I went to this fest that I think they only had a couple times in Atlanta called Wrecking Ball. And it was like a two or three day fest. And it was really cool because they had like two outside stages and two inside stages. Okay. And it was a huge, this was in 2016, huge, awesome lineup. Like I went because the promise ring played <laughs> and I was okay. like, oh, I want to see the promise ring again. Pieball played, um, American football played um Marina Maria but then there was also like um Drug Church played and American Nightmare played and Gorilla Biscuits and so it was like a good diverse lineup that covered like my span of of music yeah and it was during Gorilla Biscuits that there was this kid that just like started like crowd punching for no reason and he like looked like he was targeting women because somehow everyone he was hitting was a woman and he like like this girl next to me is just like what the fuck and I'm like yeah I know this is ridiculous whatever I'm just gonna ignore him and watch the show and at one point he like stood right in front of me and I just like pushed him away like what the fuck like I'm standing here watching and you're you're gonna stand like directly in front of me and um he turned around and looked at me and like smiled and like ran to go and crowd punch me and slipped and fell. And I pulled him up and I was like, don't you fucking do that. And then this little like buff, like meatball comes over and is like, 
don't you know this is a hardcore show? And I'm like, nah, it's my first one ever. I had no idea. But I was like, yes, I know this is a hardcore show. And uh, and so then he like didn't like the fact that I said something back to me and he pushed me and walked away. And I was like, no, that's not, that's not okay. And I went up to him and I was like, it's not okay that you just shoved me for no reason. And he was like, you have till the count of five to get out of my face. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to stand here and take it. <laughs> and so he counted down. I thought he was going to pop me in the face. Instead, he just pushed me. And like these other people saw it and like grabbed him. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? And then he was like, it, got, it was like between songs at that point and got kind of quiet. And he's like, oh, you fucking cunt. And I was just like, oh my God. And there was like a whoa in the crowd and they like pulled the kid out. And I felt guilty after. Like I did something wrong because this is what it's like to be a woman in the scene. I've been told by prop, like a prominent person in like the Chicago scene that like I was always starting fights. I've never started a fight. I've never started a fight. Was there a thing where like, I didn't condone it, but was there a thing where like, if I got shoved on purpose in an inappropriate way by somebody, were my friends going to like go and jump the dude? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I wanted them to, but like, I never started the fights, but like, I have grown up thinking that like, when I opened my mouth and said something outspoken because it was against like, you know, what the scene would want. I was like a bitch, like a crazy bitch, right? And so I had that moment and I was like, oh my God, I feel so guilty. I got this kid kicked out. Maybe I should have just ignored him. And then I was like, no, I shouldn't have. Like what he did wasn't okay. So I think that that kind of sums up why I don't listen to certain types of hardcore. Well, it's... (laughs) I have so many thoughts going on in my head right now. Like (laughs) I just kind of, you you did the right thing. You weren't crazy. And that guy was just being a dick. Yes, Um, he was. I mean, it's, it's beyond just being a dick. I'm being reductive when I say that. Here's what I really, 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 really want to talk about. I want to talk about Mazzy Star. My love for that band (laughs) is talk about sad music. And it it doesn't always strike me as purposely sad or depressing, but it's just got that melancholy, like, that slide mm-hmm. guitar. Um, yeah. Yeah. That fade into you, the song you listed was their yeah. hit. Yes. Um, but was that, was that the first, was that the first thing you heard by them? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It was. Me too. Um, Me too. Yeah. I got like, I was really into like shoegaze in the 90s. Um, because of Mazzy Star, there was this band, Star Player 59, that was pretty shoegazy. Um, but I love Mazzy Star. And um, Fade Into You is, is my, I don't want to, I think it's one of the most beautiful songs. Look On Down From The Bridge is probably my favorite song. Um, it's so sad. It's such a sad song, Um, but like a very hopeful song too. Um, Like it's one of those songs you listen to when you're like really down and you want to like not want to kill yourself. Like it's like one of those where you're like, listen to this song because like 
it's like meant to bring you, I think, out of your depression a little bit. Um, but Fade Into You is, it's so funny because it's one of my favorite songs. I think it's so beautiful. It's such a sad song, but like, I would have that as my first dance at my wedding. Like, it's like, that's how much I love that song. And I see it as a love song, mm-hmm. which it is in a way, because like, it is a love song to somebody you don't know anymore.
Like I, I've had my heart broken really bad, like not just through my divorce, but like I was like madly in love with somebody in my very early twenties and he crushed me. And like, I think about just like how somebody you could love and know so well could like become this stranger. Um, and so I see it as a love song in a way. And it's beautiful. It's just so beautiful. It, it is amazingly beautiful. And yeah wildly catchy too i know that sounds yeah. weird because you sort of think about like more of a pop hook yeah but that's like really catchy and yeah there's something i kind of always pair whenever i listen to mazzy star i pair it with even though it sounds much much different i pair it with jeff buckley almost always mm, oh because I oh god yes <laughs> because Yes. <laughs> he sings like he sang like a fucking angel. Like yeah. I'd marry Jeff Buckley. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. yes, I'll marry you, Jeff Buckley. He's like yes. so it just it was so I mean, there's I, something about the two mm-hmm. artists. They're that, angels.
they're similar in that they're they're they seem very distant. Yeah. But not distant yes. in I'm unapproachable, but distant like, and you never really get to know them. Yes. You know, you, you might yes. be best of friends that this is the thing I've foisted upon them unknowingly. They don't know this, but on, upon would, yeah. Hope Sandoval and Jeff Buckley, you're unknowable, unknowable people. Yeah. Nobody will ever understand it. You know, I completely agree with that. <laughs> God. I love those first two Mazzy Star records yeah. a lot. Among yeah. My Swan is really good. I think the yeah. problem is I just didn't live with it long enough. Okay. I was so hooked on together two that I just kind of, yeah. every time I started listening to Among My Swan, I'd say halfway through, I'd be like, ah, oh, I really want to listen to Shannon yeah. Brightly, yeah. you know, or, <laughs> yeah. and it's nothing against yeah. that record. Um, right. But there, that song is just, incredible and as far as quote-unquote shoegaze goes i think that's all i know okay i don't know anything else about i'm aware of it it's in my sphere of influence i just don't know anything about it and if you know but this must be this must be the top of the heap because i certainly know this and love this you know shoegaze for me like i feel like that's a genre i'm like extremely picky Mm-hmm. about like it has to sound a certain way in order for me to like it and I think that's why I always go back to Mazzy Star um I think it's partly just her her vocals are they just fit it so well um yeah. but that song look on down from the bridge I could see Jeff Buckley covering that and it would be like the most beautiful Thing ever it's not going to happen but I could no. I could have seen that happening and it would have been amazing so um yeah shoegaze is something that like there's a lot of shoegaze that like I think's fine like my bloody valentine I, I like it but it's not there's just something about Mazzy Star that just that's what I'm gonna put on when I'm in the mood for shoegaze yeah I I she she's the primary thing i like about it but yeah. the guitar playing is really super yeah. beautiful too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um oh i was i don't know what and it's because i'm talking about mazzy star with you and jeff buckley but a third if if i had to make like if a cassette had three sides which they don't but if it did <laughs> side a would be mazzy star side b would be jeff buckley side c would be portishead dummy oh because yes. there's something about oh. there's something about the way Beth Gibbons sings on that record that mm-hmm. puts me in the same headspace that Mazzy Star and Jeff Buckley does. I can Again, see that unknowable, for sure. yeah, ethereal in a very yes, um, not Magic the Gathering way, but ethereal. Yes, <laughs> you know? no, ethereal is like a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, just great. Yeah. I mean, and just good songs, great yeah. songs. Um, yeah, that so, head record is amazing. Please, could you stay away to share my grief? It's such a lovely day to have to always feel this way. And the time that I was suffering less is when I never have to wait. Wandering stars for whom it is reserved. Darkness.
wild left turn here because i kind of what that's fine what was the when did you have the epiphany where you're like okay i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna do a band particularly a hardcore band particularly and i don't want to harp on this because i think that i'm doing a disservice to women who are in hardcore bands but particularly during times when the visibility of women particularly Mm -hmm. as front people was not super large yeah. So, huh. so I was like 25 when I started my first band and it was with my ex and he had been in like 
he was in another he was in like a metalcore band like a really super emo metalcore band um but then he was like let's start a band because you have really bad road rage and I think it will help and I was like let's do that and so it kind of just started and like for the first like year of it it was just like kind of a joke I think we played like once or twice and then I don't know what made us like start to take it a little more seriously. Um, But then we were like, no, we can do this. There's like, and for me, it was, there are no women in bands. Like, I mean that like there were, but like in general, there were no women in bands. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't wasn't something, you know, and and I don't want to be the person who's like, I I don't want to make, I don't want women to be unique. But yes. unfortunately, due to the circumstance, it's not currently because, man, I can name yeah. two dozen <laughs> bands right now and it's yeah. awesome. Yes. But yeah. at the time, and especially even before that, boy, you could just mm-hmm. one hand and, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so it, especially like in a place like Boston, where the hardcore scene was predominantly male and every show I went to every band was all men Mm -hmm. um I was tired of just being the kid who went to shows I wanted to do something else um I wasn't gonna start a label I wasn't gonna do a zine I wasn't gonna put on shows because there were already people putting on great shows um and so I was like I'm gonna start a band and so it was tough um <laughs> had you sang yeah. before at all no nope, in any way nope. shape or form no, no your no, vocals no. are pretty fierce I mean well they are, are like... now yeah yeah, yeah so I with mean... my first band they weren't they were really bad at first and they got better over time and um and there were a lot of giant fuck you horseshoes when we played a lot I have this very vivid memory of covering a carry-on song and watching a kid in a carry-on shirt just stand there arms crossed like scowl on his face. Like we did really well with punks because I think punks tend to be more open-minded yep, <laughs> and a more diverse scene. And we did better with younger kids because younger kids are more open-minded too. Yep. Um, and I see that still today um, in the Denver hardcore scene. Cause that's like where FOM is based out of is Denver. Cause that's where it lived. Um, and so Road Rage ended because I was just like, we, I moved out of Boston. I was kind of over the scene. I just like shows weren't fun anymore. I definitely changed a lot, um, compromised a lot of who I was for my ex. Um, and then when we split up, I remember I went to a show and was like, oh no, this is who I am. Like, why did I stop being this person and got like back into hardcore And so when I moved to Denver, um, it took me a while to find the hardcore scene there. Um, Like I would meet people here and there and I was like, I don't know if there's really a scene. And then I went to one show, um, this band Freedom from Chicago played um, with a couple locals, one called um, Civilized who are amazing. Um, they're not a band anymore, but they're amazing. And then this band, Une- Uneasy Peace, who is now Rob Reed, which is my partner's band. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there is a hardcore scene in Denver. 
And then I was like, I want to be in a band again. Like I, well, no, what happened was <laughs> I was talking to two of my friends, um, John and Luke who are in Modern Life is War. Mm -hmm. And I was saying how I miss being in a band. And they were like, well, why don't you just do it? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know anybody in Denver. I don't know if I want to do it. And they're like, no, you should just do it. And I was like, okay. And then the last Bane show happened. And at that same time, there was like a lot of controversy about like uh, predators in the scene. And I was hearing a lot of silence on stage from men um, and feeling frustrated about it. And so I was like, no, I am going to start a band because there has to be like, I know there are women already in bands out there, but like there needs to be more of us who are like standing up and talking about these things that all these men are silent about. And so I found four people in Denver who had all moved there and didn't know anybody else <laughs> that was in the scene. And, uh, and we started our band and it just like, it like surprisingly took off. Denver's an amazing scene yeah. that's super open and welcoming and filled with young kids who are just excited about everything. And so, um, so yeah, that's, yeah, that was why I started bomb was like, I'm tired of silent men on stage. Yeah. I'm going to get up and say something. Yeah. Like I said, it, it felt to me like, you know, I look back at the earlier punk rock era and it's mm -hmm. like, that's where you see more prominent voices from, from women in particular, yeah. I mean, Polly's Tyreen from X-Ray Specs, Penelope yeah. Houston from Avengers. Yeah. Um, although she's quite crazy now, Xene Cervanka from X. Yeah. Um, and you think about that. And then after that, I'm at a loss except mm -hmm. for Amy Murray from Nausea, who yeah. I love that band like nobody's yeah. business you know she was fantastic you know but i can't really think of too many and then with the advent of riot girl in the 90s yeah. which i was on board for not always musically but and actually i revisited bikini hill and mm -hmm. i said to myself how was i not into this when it came mm -hmm. out because it's totally my lane mm -hmm. um i think a lot of it had to do with um I was on board for the message, but there were a couple anecdotes that I know from friends where there was some mean spiritedness, not mm -hmm. in good faith that I didn't appreciate. Mm -hmm. And instead of just sort of chalking it up to being, well, those things happen. I think that, you know, my maleness kind of let me sort of disregard them. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't need that when I probably would have given a due to pass. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah uh i still think it was mean-spirited the anecdotes yeah. i know and it wasn't in good faith however fuck those early singles are so good mm -hmm. and i you know ironically the best song is double daria and i say yeah. ironically because <laughs> i am gonna mention your podcast but, yeah. um it was my i did an interview with um this gal from the area, Brittany Nader, and she mentioned them and I went back and revisited. I'm like, yeah, you fucked up, dude. Mm -hmm. You totally fucked up. That's good stuff. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, beyond that, it was like where there's no women. I mean, the, yeah. at least, at least locally, they were, they were documentarians of some kind mm -hmm. or they did shows. 
Yeah. Which is all super, super important, but the visibility isn't there. And I think that although the women who are doing those things did carry a lot of weight, yeah, you know, um, visibility is really fucking important. I think people don't realize that just seeing it happen is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There were, but you didn't really see anybody in particular. You're just like, I'm just going to do this. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't see anybody do it and think I can do that. I mean, if I saw anybody, it was dudes doing it. And I was like, I can do that if they can do it. Yeah. You I know, mean, easily. I mean, there's, <laughs> so, there's, I always joke around with my son. I'm like, there's no magic trick. I just yell. I'm a yeah. giant, I'm a giant man having a, a childish fit. That's all. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's funny for, I, I'm a slightly socially awkward person in that, like, I don't like being center of attention. I have a really hard time when I'm around a lot of people. Like if I host a party, I'm like the one who's always like straightening and cleaning and like, not really like socializing. Um, and I don't know why I can get on, on a stage in front of a bunch of people I don't know and like talk and scream because it's something that should scare me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also think like, I think I can do it because I think what I have to say is important. And I really don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about what I have to say. Like, you know, I've definitely been in situations where, you know, we played a show in, in Germany. We, we opened the Have Heart show last two summers ago in Germany. And it was like 2000 people or something stupid like that. Jesus and like Christ. people definitely like, didn't care like there were people who cared what I had to say but there were people who did it yeah and I didn't care that they didn't care what I had to say you know um and so I think that's part of it is that I think I we we are a political band and we talk about things that we think are important. Right. Um, that's why we make the music we make. And I don't expect every hardcore band to be a political band, but I do believe hardcore is meant to be political. Um, I agree. And so um, I think that that's that's a big part of it is just wanting to bring awareness to stuff and. It's interesting because like at first my lyrics were really political, but they've gotten a lot more personal. Which is Um, harder for you to write. Political. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. I'm fucking awful at it. I, I just can't, I can't articulate situations that are, or things that are completely so complex and require yeah. a lot of nuance and yes specificity in you know songs that are under two minutes yeah you know for I me. agree with you no yeah. I feel that way a lot of the political songs I've written have been based on books that I've read um and so I think of it in that sense but 
the, you know, our full length. And then everything I've been writing now is just very personal, very personal. Um, because I feel like it's easier and I'm more eloquent in writing that stuff than I am in trying to force a song to be political. We can get up and talk about things that are important. Yeah. All of my lyrics don't have to be that way. And I was having this conversation with a friend for our podcast about um, her lyrics and how she worries about people not being able to relate because they're so personal. But I think that that's why people like personal lyrics because they are relatable. You know, we can connect often to the way somebody is feeling if it's a song about depression or a song about heartbreak. I mean, that's why I fell in love with like you know, American Nightmare is probably the first band that I fell in love with in the hardcore scene because all of his songs are like super angsty and about like getting your heart broken. at the time like it's I could super relate. appealing yeah so you know like we write I write songs about like loss and depression and um getting are you looking are you looking for a connection when you write those types of lyrics or are you just you're just putting it out there for people to do whatever they that's want that's a good with question it? I think it's both um I think it's both. I think that I put it out there, but I hope people can feel a connection, you know, cause I know how important that is to me to feel a connection to lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, so I know there are other people out there like that who want to feel a connection and feel like they can listen to a song and be like, I totally get this. Yeah. Um, so I think it's both. Yeah. 
And there's nothing saying that you, there's nothing out there that says you can't marry the two. I mean, you can certainly yeah. have a political message in between songs yeah, and course. talk about it. Well, this is awesome. Thank you so much for doing of this. Course, of I really course. Thanks for it. having me. No, I yeah. mean, I heard Good. the episode you did with Rich on his and I'm like, I like that band. Do you think she would do an episode? Yeah. With he goes, he goes, yeah. I said, well, reach out to her. I'm not just going to ask her coldly. I don't know her from the next fucking person. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, how that came about, but I do Thanks. appreciate you doing this. It's very, of course. Thank you. Know, you. over all done i want to thank cat for hanging out and uh for the great conversation it's always great to make new friends it's rare that i do uh i had a really good time talking with her about uh particularly about mazzy star um but if you want to check out uh fom uh you can find their music on apple music um and you can find double dairy podcast on uh apple Podcasts. Uh, if you're interested in communicating with me on social media, maybe not communicating, maybe just interacting, maybe just stalking me, I don't know. Uh, on Instagram, it's Larry underscore Bleachmouth. Facebook, li- blah, 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 blah. Facebook, Bleachmouth P. That's not even right. I'm, I don't know why I can't get this right. I've been fucking doing this for 18 episodes now and I can't get this shit right. Instagram, Bleach. Instagram, Larry underscore Bleachmouth. Facebook, Bleachmouth Postscript. The email is bleachmouthps at gmail.com. I do not fuck with Twitter. Twitter is an abomination. It's a boil on the ass of humanity. I want nothing to do with it. Here's the part where I humiliate myself, degrade myself, and ask you and beg you and plead you to please subscribe, rate, review on whatever podcatcher you're uh, viewing, not viewing, listening to this episode. Uh, thanks again for listening, and thanks again to Kat, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.